Today is July 20th, 2021, and our first story, a sixth Democrat from the Texas delegation that fled the state has tested positive for COVID. And now this may be a super spreader event as a White House staffer, Pelosi aide, have tested positive for COVID. And there are concerns Kamala Harris may have as well, but they're not testing her. In our next story, a Minnesota Democrat has apparently had some allegations uncovered that he exposed himself in front of women and children and actually doesn't even live in Minnesota. He lives in Wisconsin. How did that one slip past? And our last story, Democrats are pushing to have women included in the draft. It may be included in the NDAA, which would mean women must register for selective service. And feminists, of course, are not happy about that. Before we get started, leave us a good review. Give us five stars. And if you really like the show, share it with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. It all started when Democrats in Texas, outraged over Republican voting legislation, decided to flee the state on private planes to block quorum. Without quorum in Texas, the Republicans would not be able to hold a special session, a legislative session, and thus this bill would not pass. The Democrats were slammed for not wearing masks or social distancing. And then sure enough, we started getting reports that around 10% of those Democrats have tested positive for COVID. The latest news is that a sixth member of the Texas Democrat group has now tested positive, putting the total around 11% of this group having COVID. It gets worse. Reports came out that Kamala Harris was exposed to these people. She was then rushed to the hospital. Now they say that she was not in close proximity and would not be needing to quarantine. But then many people wondered why it was she was brought to the hospital. Certainly, they could have brought a rapid response test or something to Kamala Harris. But the White House says everything is fine. Trust the government. We are now getting reports that a White House staffer and an aide for Nancy Pelosi have tested positive for COVID, raising the question, is the Texas Democrats attempt to block legislation by fleeing the state a super spreader event? Well, to be completely honest, it's an opinion. And I would say, in my opinion, yes, more than 10% of these people have COVID. And now it's now we're hearing that several people who attended that summit may have COVID. The vice president herself brought to a hospital, brought to Walter Reed. I believe it was Walter Reed. Now, again, I'm not saying Kamala Harris does have COVID. They're saying she doesn't. I think it's silly that the fact checkers would come out and be like, well, if the White House said so, it must be true. But there it is. Say it. What the Texas Democrats did was selfish, it was wrong, and it was fueled by media lies that Republicans are trying to suppress voter rights. It's just not true. And this attempt at a power grab has resulted in a major backfire. Now, the Democrats should take responsibility for this, but I doubt they will. We have other developments. Interestingly, Rand Paul now confronting Dr. Fauci again, saying you effectively saying you lied. Will you retract your statements on gain of function research? And Fauci said, no, I didn't. And then proceeds to try and define his way out of having lied to Congress. Now we're seeing as the stock market takes a hit over fears of a new outbreak of COVID. Well, even Sean Hannity's coming out saying, take this all very seriously. Now, as I always say, you should definitely take this seriously. You you guys, you really don't want to be one of those people where you're like mocking COVID and then you end up on the front page having gotten it. I certainly think COVID is serious enough. 
I don't necessarily trust the establishment narrative, but I think it's important that you talk to a trusted medical professional. Look, I've had friends who went to the doctors and were given sound advice. If you do not like your doctor, find a better doctor. I say that all the time and I stress it for a couple of reasons because YouTube essentially requires it, but I genuinely think it's the right thing to do. I don't care. Look, you got to understand people are playing politics in all of this. I, I maybe, maybe every time I talk about this, you might hear me say it, but I just want to make sure it's in every video. You got to be careful for the rage bait. You got to be careful for the fear mongering. Be, be careful of the fear mongering. So I'm going to show you some data and talk about what's going on with the sixth Texas Democrat testing positive for COVID and the people in close proximity to the White House getting it. But I want to make sure you realize just because you're hearing a negative story doesn't mean you should assume everything is negative. And that's the big risk. When people talk about vaccines, they say, oh, I've heard these bad stories. Yeah, but it's because when people are get the vaccine and they're fine, they're not going to post how fine they are. Those stories don't get shared. Be careful of the manipulation and the rage bait. That's why my goal here, I'm going to show you some data and I want you to figure it out for yourself and make sound decisions by talking to experts and professionals that you trust. But let's talk about this story. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com, become a member, and you may notice I'm already sitting on TimCast.com because we have a new website out with amazing writers and new journalism. And when you become a member, you are supporting our work and getting access to TimCast IRL members-only podcasts. You are getting an ad-free experience. That's right. When you are a member, you will not see ads. And like these, this, these reports you're seeing, you're supporting this journalism and our expansion. So make sure you go to TimCast.com. We've got many more new shows coming soon. But if you want to see real field reporting, undercover reporting, all this good stuff, Go to TimCast.com and become a member. But don't forget, like this video, subscribe to this channel right now, and share the video with your friends if you think the the work that I'm doing is important. Here's the story from TimCast.com. Sixth Texas Democrat tests positive for COVID after fleeing state on packed private plane to block voting bill. The lawmakers were widely slammed for not wearing masks while urging the general public to continue doing so. The 55 lawmakers were widely slammed for posing for photos on the plane without masks since they continue urging the general public to wear them. Donald Trump Jr. saying, who says God does not have a sense of humor? In response to a new report from Fox News, maskless Dems test positive for COVID after packing plane fleeing Texas to block election integrity bill. Over the weekend, five of the Democrats who had fled the state tested positive for the virus. State Rep. Retta Bowers confirmed the sixth case on Monday. Quote, it definitely is not stopping our work, she said. According to a report from the Dallas News, we're just having to be a whole lot more careful. Bowers did not provide the name of the lawmaker. Vice President Kamala Harris spent time with the group last week, three days before the first positive test. The Dallas News reports the group began wearing masks and adjusting their plans on Saturday after the first three members tested positive. Quote, We've been observing all CDC guidelines, said state, state rep Rafael Anchia. We're grateful that 100% of us were vaccinated in advance. This Delta variant is no joke. The lawmakers had claimed that they were going to D.C. to press Congress to pass legislation that would supersede the Texas bill. The sweeping election integrity bill would prevent local officials from sending unsolicited absentee ballot applications, require an ID or social security number to vote and much more. By leaving, the Democrats had prevented a vote as the Texas legislature requires a quorum of two thirds of lawmakers to be present. The Texas Senate passed a bill on Tuesday evening, but it is currently stalled in the House due to a lack of quorum. The group will need to hold out until August 7th when the current special session ends in order to block it. According to Rep. Armando Wall of Houston, 
The Democrats will require $1.5 million to cover the cost of transportation, lodging, and food while fleeing to avoid doing their job. The Dallas News report says that while fundraising hasn't hit that target yet, Beto O'Rourke and Willie Nelson have pitched in. Now, Governor Greg Abbott called a special session, something the governor can do because the, legisl- the House and the Senate are not in session. Now, the, the Democrats may hold out until August 7th, but Greg Abbott says we will just keep calling special sessions until this gets passed. I do not see the Texas Democrats being able to sustain themselves much longer, especially considering the COVID. Now, here's the news. Scoop from Axios. White House official Pelosi aide test positive for COVID. I'm sorry. I, I don't know how you define super spreader event. I'll put it this way. If there is a clear definition for what a super spreader event is, then by all means, I'm not saying it's an official def- definition. I'm saying just colloquially and, and by all means, criticize it. But what I'm saying is many people from this who have, who have gone to this Democrat event have gotten COVID. In, the Democrats themselves, a White House official, a Pelosi aide. And then, and, and, and to be fair, we don't know if Kamala Harris has it. They're saying she doesn't, but she's not going to quarantine. She still may eventually, because there's an incubation period, she needs to quarantine. I'm not saying to be a dick. I got my criticisms of, of, of Kamala Harris, but she should be quarantining. Look, when I get sick, I don't go around other people. When, when people who work here get sick, I want them to stay home and get better. She should not be going around potentially getting people sick, especially when it's COVID, especially when they're, they're the ones who are freaking out the most about the Delta variant. Axios says a White House official and staff member for House Speaker Nancy Pelosi have both tested positive for COVID-19 after attending the same reception last week, officials confirmed to Axios. They say while both officials are vaccinated and mildly symptomatic, they illustrate how Americans inoculated against the coronavirus can still contract it potentially unknowingly transmit the virus, even at the highest levels of the nation's government. Quote, we know that there will be breakthrough cases, but, but as, uh, as this instance shows, cases in vaccinated individuals are typically mild, a White House official told Axios. Driving the news, the Pelosi staffer helped usher a delegation of Democratic Texas lawmakers around the Capitol last week. Six of those lawmakers who flew to Washington to block the Texas legislature from changing the state's voting laws, have since tested positive. So again, that's six. Both that staffer and White House official were at the same rooftop reception at the Hotel Eaton last Wednesday night. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Tim Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or give them a call at 877-646-5347. Again, that number is 877 646 Five, three, four, seven.
The White House official has not had any recent direct contact with President Biden. The Pelosi aide did not have any contact with the speaker since that person's exposure. Quote, yesterday, a fully vaccinated White House official tested positive for COVID-19 off campus. A White House official told Axios in a statement. In accordance with our rigorous COVID-19 protocols, the official remains off campus as they wait for a confirmatory PCR test. The White House medical unit has conducted contact tracing interviews and determined no close contacts among White House principals and staff. The individual has mild symptoms. The, the White House is prepared for breakthrough cases with regular testing. This is another reminder of the efficacy of the COVID-19 vaccines against severe illness or hospitalization. We wish our colleague a speedy recovery. Drew Hamill, deputy chief of staff to Pelosi, told Axios in a statement, yesterday, a fully vaccinated senior spokesperson in the speaker's press office tested positive for COVID after contact with members of the Texas state legislature last week. The entire press office is working remotely today, with the exception of individuals who have had no exposure to the individual or have had a recent negative test. Our office will continue to follow the guidance of the Office of Attending Physician closely. And I'm going to stop again and just say this. I would not be surprised if it gets worse. Why? They're saying, oh, they had a negative test. It's fine. Yes, but there's an incubation period. Like Kamala Harris was at this event and they're saying, but she's testing negative. So therefore it's fine. I'm like, nah, man, you know what? Far be it from me to tell them exactly who, what they should be doing. And I'm not going to pretend to be the expert. I'm just going to say this. I won't be surprised if we hear more Democrats and those in close proximity to Democrats are testing positive because, well, they're refusing to quarantine. They're going to say COVID-19 cases are on the rise across the country with health officials becoming increasingly worried about the Delta variant. It's significantly more infectious than the original strain and poses an acute threat to the unvaccinated. Concern about the Delta variant of COVID is causing some places to consider reinstating mask recommendations. A legislative aide also cited the variant in telling Axios' Elena Treen on Monday that public tours of the Capitol would not resume in the near future. Most Americans who still aren't vaccinated say nothing, not their own doctor, a celebrity's endorsement, or even paid time off is likely to make them get the shot according to the latest installment of the Axios Ipsos Coronavirus Index. On Monday, Rep. Vern Buchanan announced he had tested positive for COVID after being fully vaccinated, becoming the first known positive case in Congress this summer. I want to stress a very important point. You can still get COVID if you're vaccinated, as we're seeing from the news. In fact, one of YouTube's rules is that you need to tell people that you can't tell them there's a guaranteed cure or any way to prevent this, even vaccines. But vaccines, as they say, reduce the symptoms, reduce the likelihood that you will catch it, but you still can. OK, that's important. Now, when I tweet about this and I did and a lot of people, Twitter is the worst possible thing ever. Let me just stress so a lot of people who are who are testing, who are who are testing positive for covid and also have the vaccine. Or I should say there are, there are many stories we're hearing about this. Just keep in mind I'm not a doctor. Talk to your doctor about it. And I want to present that counterpoint. If somebody gets vaccinated and doesn't get COVID, they're not going to be tweeting, hey, I didn't get COVID today. So be careful about the bias, even if it's coming from me. And again, you look, I'm not here to tell you what to believe or how to live your life simply to give you as much information as possible. It's kind of frustrating. People are like Tim Pool's always on every side of the issue. It's quite simple. I'm trying to provide enough context and I'm trying to give you the opportunity to make the decision for yourself. When I say that there are people who get vaccinated and don't get sick and are completely fine and they're not posting about it, that's a fact that, that happens. Be careful of bias, be it from me or anybody else. That's the point. Now, let's go back to this story. 
Vice President Kamala Harris at Walter Reed Hospital for routine medical appointment reported just two days ago. There was an update. They said a day after assurances from the White House that Kamala Harris did not contract COVID-19 after exposure to two infected Texas legislators. She's at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center for what's described as a routine visit. A lot of people, let me just read Deadline.com. The unusual Sunday medical appointment raised eyebrows in the media. But Simone Sanders, senior advisor and chief spokesman for Harris, said Saturday that the vice president and her staff at a meeting with two infected people were not at risk of exposure to the virus. Now that we know it is six people, can we get an update here? Was Kamala Harris in direct exposure to the four other people who are now have said to have contracted COVID? And what about the Pelosi staffer and the White House aide? Look, man, I'm not a fan of Kamala Harris. I am also not a fan of our federal government being sick and indisposed. So if we can make sure the vice president for all of the things I think is wrong with Kamala Harris and Joe Biden and the bifurcation of politics in this country, let's at very least not get more destabilization because I sincerely hope we can come back from this divide and we can remain a strong nation because I do not want China to take over. And you know, they want to. And you know, with, with the massive expansion of Chinese trade, it's beginning to happen. That has me worried. They say the White House assured that Harris and her staff were not at risk of exposure because they were not in close contact with those who tested positive and therefore do not need to be tested or quarantined. They didn't even test her. Yikes, man. Come on. You, you, you need to be responsible here, White House. This is this is insane to me. And I think it's funny because it's, I, it, it's this is like everything I'm saying should be coming from Democrats complaining about the Republicans and the anti-vaxxers and all that stuff. Dude, I certainly think COVID is a problem, but I certainly think we've gone about it way, way wrong. I certainly think the, the crisis has been exploited for political reasons. And it's it's unfortunate. You know what? Because whatever happens with all of this in the White House certainly will stand to make another crisis. And I think we have the data to back that up. Check this out. COVID, this, this is USA Today. COVID, uh, this is their, their COVID restrictions map. Right now, trends in new cases are new infections on the rise. And we can see in basically every single state, save four of them, COVID cases are on the rise, according to USA Today. Now we can see this. New Hampshire, New cases are shrinking. Montana, Wyoming, and Utah, all of those cases are shrinking. In terms of state restrictions, everything is either been lift, has either been lifted or is being eased. In Hawaii and Puerto Rico, they're easing it. For the entirety of the U.S., restrictions have been lifted. Ah, excellent. However, in Los Angeles and Las Vegas, they have re-implemented mask mandates. So when you what you first need to recognize is this map. Trends in new cases is on the rise. And that means I think it is increasingly likely we are going to see a call for lockdowns. Now, the White House isn't so ready to come out and just say it was a super spreader event. From TimCast.com, say it, Saki. Press Secretary, refu- Press Secretary refuses to call Texas Democrats DC Adventure a super spreader event. Well, I would say that's not a characterization we're making from here. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki refused to comment on reports that a group of Texas Dems who fled the state to block a voting integrity bill contracted COVID, saying that progressive lawmakers are simply standing up for freedom. About 10% of the traveling party now claim to have a breakthrough case of COVID. Is this a super spreader event? Asked Fox News's Peter Ducey. Quote, well, I wouldn't, I would say that's not a characterization we're making from here. 
Our message continues to be thanks for standing up for voting rights. Vaccinations protect from death, from serious illness, from hospitalizations. So that's a good sign, she added. Interestingly, we have this from Catherine Watson. Catherine Watson is the White House reporter for CBS News. Saki clarifies to Ed O'Keefe, there have been other breakthrough COVID-19 cases in the White House that have not been publicly disclosed. O'Keefe stated, you confirm today there's been a breakthrough case. Saki says, yes, but you're also confirming there have been other breakthrough cases. Yep. But you had not previously disclosed that there had been. And that's correct. Saki notes that they committed to informing the public of any commissioned officer level positive tests and stand by that. Saki clarifies to Stephen Portnoy that none of the breakthrough White House cases have been among commission officers. This is July 20th reporting. I've got to go ahead and just say the Texas Democrats fleeing the state triggered a super spreader event. That was a super spreader event. Call it out. You know, the media doesn't like to criticize the Democrats and they don't like to play these games that I should say they like to play these games. If these were Republicans who did this, they would be bending over backwards and looping around beneath their own knees to scream at the top of their lungs and whip back like that seagull meme super spreader event. So there you go. If they want to play these games and fly in private jets and claim you should be wearing a mask and you should do these things and they're not doing it. There's a meme going around where you see celebrities, you know, what was it at, at like the Emmys or the Grammys or whatever, licking each other's faces. And then you've got, uh, um, you know, like SNL. They do the whole SNL show without masks. But at the end of the show, they're all wearing masks. Yeah, rules for thee, but not for me. So, so I'll tell you what, when they come out and they say you should be doing something and then they don't do it and then they all start contracting COVID. Let's call that out. How about it? Let's 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 say this. I am in no way advocating for more restrictions. No, I think we needed and I think we need and have always needed a more surgical approach to how we deal with this. And I think no matter what happens, they're going to keep pushing it and keep saying it's getting worse because there is a crisis to exploit. We protect the elderly. We recognize those who are most at risk and we do what we can to protect them the same as we do for any any illnesses. And we have to figure out how to move on. I mean, look, we're seeing cases rise, but we're now a year and a half into this, we need to be able to function as a society. Otherwise, what? The market starts crashing and then people start worrying. But let's talk about the seriousness of what's happening here. This is a major update. Fauci called out by Rand Paul. This one. Wow. They say Fauci and Rand Paul trade lying accusations about gain of function research in hearing on Delta variant. Kentucky senator stepped close to the line of accusing Fauci of lying to Congress in previous testimony. Rand, you did so good. Just say it. Fauci lied. I mean, come on. Rand Paul read the definition of what gain of function research was, described a report from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, and then Fauci's like, nope, not gain of function. Amazing. Fox News reports. Top government epidemiologist Dr. Anthony Fauci and Senator Rand Paul traded accusations of lying about gain of function research at a Tuesday Senate hearing, continuing the long running feud between the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases director and the Kentucky senator. Fauci and CDC Russia, uh, CDC's Rochelle Waleski are also likely to face questions at whether the United States should bring back health measures like mask mandates as the Delta COVID variant spreads around the country. I just want to stress this point, my friends. You look at this map from USA Today, and this, in my opinion, is, in, is indicative of incoming lockdowns. 
Not the same way, perhaps. We've already seen that one pediatric group said all children should be masked in schools. I think people are going to lose it. I think their brains are going to figuratively explode. They want to say, in his questioning of Fauci, Paul stepped close to the line of accusing Fauci of lying to Congress in previous testimony, in which he said that the NIAID had never funded gain-of-function research in China. Citing a paper on research about bat coronaviruses, Paul said that U.S. money had essentially gone to the hazardous and controversial research, an assertion Fauci strongly objected to. Quote, I have never lied before the Congress, and I do not retract that statement, Fauci said. He added that the research Paul referenced was judged by qualified staff up and down the chain as not being gain of function research. Fauci added, you do not know what you are talking about, quite frankly. And I want to say that officially Paul's response was that the NIH's judgment defines uh, defines a way work that was work that essentially was gain of function. You're dancing around this because you're trying to obscure responsibility, Paul added. Walensky and Fauci who is President Biden's top medical advisor, are appearing before the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee. They each emphasized the importance of vaccines for stopping the Delta variant in their opening remarks. The message from CDC remains clear. Vaccination is the most powerful tool we have, Walensky said. The sobering news that you've already heard of it, heard of is the fact that we are not challenged with a very difficult and problematic variant referred to as the Delta variant. The fact is that, however, is that our vaccines are very effective against this variant. Fauci, meanwhile, also objected to any suggestion, which Paul denied he was trying to imply, that he or the NIH may be in some way responsible for the COVID-19 virus, saying that the viruses created by the research in question would be molecularly impossible to be the origin of the disease. Quote, you are implying that what we did was responsible for the deaths of individuals. I totally resent that. And if anybody is lying here, Senator, it's you, Fauci said. And Rand still didn't just say, Fauci, you are a liar and you lied. Subpoenas, come on. Fauci should not be allowed to just say whatever he wants. Los Angeles County on Friday ordered citizens to wear masks indoors, regardless of whether they were vaccinated, becoming the first major U.S. jurisdiction to backpedal on relaxing virus rules. And the very next day, former Surgeon General Jerome Adams, who served under President Trump, said the CDC should adjust its guidance that people with vaccines don't need masks, which was rolled out in May with much fanfare to bring back masking for all. They are saying it. Whether you are vaccinated or not, you must wear the masks. Now, this has been criticized in the past. Many people have said that if you tell people there's no upside to getting the vaccine other than your health, which I guess is a good thing, people are going to be like, why? If you live in a rural area, I, I, I want to go to this map. Let me let me read what he said. Then I want to show you the map and explain this. Instead of vax it or mask it, the emerging data suggests CDC should be advising to vax it and mask it in areas with increasing cases and positivity until we see numbers going back down again, Adams said in a tweet. No, no, no. Hell no. Ted Cruz replied to Adams. Multiple governors have also gone on the record in recent days as opposed to bringing back mask mandates, though more diplomatically than Cruz. For over a year and a half, South Carolinians have learned about the virus. They know what to do to protect themselves from it. And the vaccine is available to anyone who wants it. A spokesperson for South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster, a Republican, told WBTW. We are we are using the tool of vaccinations. Washington Governor Jay Inslee, a Democrat, said, according to MyNorthwest.com, that's the ultimate answer to this pandemic. We don't want to be wearing masks for the next 32 years. Vaccines stop this thing dead. The Democrats on the committee, meanwhile, raised concerns about the increase in the spread of the Delta variant and vaccine resistance. 
We are at a pivotal point in this pandemic, Committee Chairwoman Patty Murray said. We are now seeing a resurgence in COVID-19. Vaccination rates are plateauing and pandemic fatigue is setting in around the country. Murray asked the panel, what is the best way to stop the country from backsliding to the peak of the pandemic? Walensky said that is to get vaccinated. Senator Tim Kaine, meanwhile, a Democrat, touted the fast development of the vaccines for the coronavirus as a major accomplishment of the Trump administration, as many red states have lower vaccine rates than blue states. Quote, one of the great things about President Trump and the Trump administration working with partners and funded by Congress was setting a world record in terms of developing really super effective vaccines in record time, Kane said. President Trump had COVID in October. He decided to get vaccinated in January. So I think the Democrats need to absolutely come out and praise Donald Trump. They don't seem to want to, but let's do this. I want to show you uh, from NPR. This is the, the health section. This is from, um, let's see, where, where are we at? This is from July 19th, updated. The page is updated on weekdays. Va- vaccinating a high percentage of the population against COVID is a crucial part of the U.S. strategy to curb the pandemic, they say. Since COVID-19 vaccine distribution began in the U.S. on December 14th, more than 337 million doses have been administered, fully vaccinating over 161 million people, or 48.6% of the total U.S. population. They're going to say, explore. And the vaccine rollout is going in the following five graphics built using data from the CDC. Which states have vaccinated more of their population? In what should be a surprise to no one, states with a higher population density seem to have a higher vaccination rate. This is the challenge we face with plateauing vaccination rates. People who live in the middle of nowhere do not feel any real sense of urgency for getting the vaccine when they don't go around people. Now, I can't speak for uh, the data on the escalating cases, and maybe people should realize, you know, r- rural issues don't seem to be playing, like pro- population density doesn't seem to be the, the main principal factor, I guess, seems kind of, kind, of counter, kind of counterintuitive. But here we can see in the USA Today data, nearly every single state sees new cases growing except for New Hampshire, Montana, Wyoming, and Utah. We can then see the vaccination rate data. New Hampshire actually has one of the highest rates of vaccination, 57.6% fully vaccinated, 63.8% at least one dose. Now, Rhode Island has 60%, Maine, 62%, what New York is at 56, New Jersey, 57. So yes, New Hampshire, it's going down there, one of the highest rates of vaccination. When we look at Montana, for instance, it's 43%. Wyoming, is 36% and Utah is 43%. I can't, I, I can't tell you the correlation there. I can't. Because you can look at states with lower vaccination rates like Arkansas with 35.4%. And then you can see that Arkansas is actually seeing cases go up. I don't know what the correlation, if any, there is, but I can certainly point out that it seems to be in the less densely populated areas, people are less likely to get the vaccine. It also seems to be that in red states, people are less likely to get the vaccine. One of the biggest challenges we're facing is the media. Absolutely. I mean, the Biden administration basically said Facebook was was causing the problem and killing people and Facebook got really mad. But you take a look. uh, Mike Cernovich tweeted about this. You take a look at the riots over the past year. And we actually had the media defending thousands of people marching through the street with no masks, shoulder to shoulder, saying it's fine. They're not super spreader events. You're kidding? 55 Democrats flew on a plane and now we've got how many people have been sick from from being in proximity to this meeting or 
they were in proximity to this meeting or at the meeting and now they're sick. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's not it's 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 broken trust from the average person. And so this is what this is what I want to tell you. Okay, look, I might tweet things that are bombastic and Twitter's stupid. I just ultimately think your health, your life and everything is your responsibility. Regardless of what I say or anyone else says, you need to make sure that your medical history and everything you're doing is well-researched. You need to read some books. You need to look into it. And then you should go to a medical professional. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to argue with my plumber. I'm not going to argue with my carpenter. There are some things I do argue with them, though. You know, I've, I've had doctors say, we want you to have this medication. I say, I don't want that one because of this thing I read online. And they go, okay, how about this one? I say, oh, that one's fine. And if you get a, I've gone to dentist and I'm like, this one's too expensive. There's a bunch of reasons why you can do it. I can't speak as to what the solution to these problems are. I can't tell you what's causing them. I can't tell you if there's deeper hidden secrets or anything like that. I can show you what's being reported. I can challenge contradictions. I can try and show the best data I can. And I can call out the political establishment for their double standards. At the end of all of this, it's going to be incumbent upon you to regard or disregard what I say and make a choice that's right for you. And I and I er, er, and I urge going to medical professionals to actually um, to find out what you know, what is right for you and um, personal responsibility. One hundred percent. I don't know what's going to happen with these White House officials. I don't know if they'll ever want to come out and admit that they caused this. But I can tell you. I'm not going to I'm not going to play these double standard games because you know what they would say about Republicans if this was the other way around. So we'll call it out. Ultimately, though, let me say one more thing with this, you know, with what's happening uh, with the White House staff and and Pelosi's aide and these Democrats, the Democrats are probably thinking like, okay, well, it does make us look really, really bad. We might get the blame for this. But federal level Democrats might actually just say, never let a good crisis go to waste, right? And they might say, look, you know, it's coming back. It's getting worse. We need to do more of this, that, and otherwise. We need, oh, the midterms are coming up. The midterms are coming up. Yeah. Interesting. Do you think they're going to allow Republicans to alter these voting uh, voting laws with a year to the midterms? And then they're going to say, with the cases rising, we need to make sure we have more lax voting voting laws? Of course. I think that's where we're going. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Marjorie Taylor Greene is once again in the news, this time because she said no, no words on Twitter. They said that because she was spreading COVID misinformation, she was going to get a 12-hour ban. And of course, Marjorie Taylor Greene begins trending on Twitter because this is the perfect example of what is wrong with our politics. And it's a perfect example of, I guess, the bifurcation of culture in the United States. Because you know what this video is about because you clicked the title and it's not about Marjorie Taylor Greene. I'm just using her as an example to begin. The story is about a Minnesota Democratic lawmaker who actually, uh, I should say, apparently doesn't even live in Minnesota where he's supposed to be representing people, who is accused of multiple domestic violence issues. But this is not the major trending story. A Democrat Black Lives Matter activist who has at one point, at least, okay, I'm gonna say allegedly or reportedly gone to residential neighborhoods and was shaming some random white family. This guy, he gets pulled over 
It turns out he doesn't live in Minnesota. He lives in Wisconsin, but he represents Minnesota. People are upset about that. This is not the major breaking news. A true test of our democracy. I'll give a shout out to Jim Hansen with this tweet. He said, this is the test of our legal system. A nonviolent trespasser with a Trump flag got eight months in prison. These actual domestic terrorists either get real prison time or it's proof we live in a thought police state. Oh, it's, it's proof that we would live in anarcho-tyranny. You may have heard the story. There were two individuals out during the Black Lives Matter riots, the George Floyd riots, and they were charged with handing out Molotov cocktails. My understanding is that they were granted bail, which is more than the insurrectionists were granted. There were many rioters on January 6th. You guys know my position. The rioters were bad. Some people doted about confused, not realizing what was going on because the doors were opened up. So that was a failure of the Capitol Police. And I don't think you can blame these people for having the cops open the door for them. But the people who are rioting and being violent, absolutely. But this is the test of our, uh, our, our, our democracy. I say that somewhat facetiously because we are a constitutional republic, but you get the point. It's something the Democrats say all the time. It's a test of whether or not we are a free and fair country with true principles. And I think the answer is that time has, has come and gone. You know, we talk a whole lot about civil war or balkanization or whatever. But for those that aren't familiar, balkanization meaning just like the breaking apart of the country by ideological faction. It could also reference racial groups or cultural groups. But the way it's being used right now is because you've got left and right and up and down and different groups. It's more ideology based, but it's a reference to the breaking up of the Balkans. We, we talk about that. And I got to tell you, we have we have everything but the form, formalization of it. OK, You've got Texas and Florida. They clearly defied what Joe Biden wanted to do with the, with the lockdown. South Dakota, obviously, the whole time. And you've got stories like this. And narco tyranny. What that means is the government will not enforce the law when it comes to the violent riots and the destruction. They won't enforce the law when it comes to things that negatively impact you. They will enforce the law when it is bad for you. Why? There may be two principal factions we refer to in the culture war, left and right. However, there are many, many sub-factions, but the establishment left is going to throw the book at anybody who is not part of their group, while Joe Biden clearly is only speaking to the left. And here we are. Here's a story. Search for Minnesota lawmakers' residency uncovers domestic assault cases. In searching for state rep John Thompson's residency, Fox 9 has uncovered four cases of domestic violence with allegations Thompson punched, hit, and choked women. This guy is a Democrat. How is this not the major trending story? According to the police reports from 2003 to 2009, in some cases, the assaults happened in the presence of young children. Questions about Thompson's residency were raised after he was stopped by St. Paul police on July 4th for not having a front license plate. Thompson, who accused St. Paul police of racially profiling him, presented a Wisconsin driver's license during the stop, a license he has renewed as recently as November 2020, when he was elected to the Minnesota legislature. He is a state rep in a state he doesn't live in. That is incredible. How do you not, how do you not know that? Like, don't you have to show your ID at least? Apparently not. You don't need an ID to vote, and apparently you don't even need an ID to run. The domestic violence cases stretch back, stretches back to October 2003 in Superior, Wisconsin, when Thompson was arrested after he allegedly struck his girlfriend in the face with an open and closed fist. Open fist? Like, like a palm slap? The woman's five-year-old daughter witnessed the assault, which happened in a supermarket parking lot. 
Thompson's girlfriend said she and her child were homeless and declined to cooperate. Superior police said Thompson fled the scene and resisted arrest when he was found a short time later. Thompson eventually pled guilty in Douglas County, Wisconsin, to a a reduced charge of disorderly conduct and resisting arrest. Thompson allegedly attacked the same girlfriend nearly a year later, August 2004, at her Egan apartment. Police arrived after a 911 hang-up call. She said during an argument with Thompson, he broke the phone cord and put both hands around her neck and began choking her. During the struggle, Thompson allegedly said, I'll choke you until you can't breathe anymore. She said she ran out of her apartment screaming, but Thompson grabbed her and dragged her back into the apartment. She said she even tried to escape through a window. She told police Thompson became angry when she dialed 911 from another phone and began hitting her in the head, punching her in the face, and then he grabbed her and threw her into the kitchen table, which broke. She said three children, her daughter and Thompson's two sons, witnessed most of the assault. The girlfriend recounted to police that during an argument at the pool of the apartment complex the day before, Thompson allegedly belittled her daughter, calling her a series of expletives that culminated with F you, effing, uh, F your daughter, I hope you both die. The woman said she and her daughter had recently moved to Egan. She didn't know anyone, didn't have any money. Egan police took her and her daughter to a domestic abuse shelter. The case was referred to Child Protection and the Dakota County Attorney for, uh, to review possible charges. In September 2009, St. Paul police officers responded to a call of domestic violence involving Thompson and two women. Thompson and the women were fighting about a cell phone he received from another girlfriend. It is unclear from the report if this is the girlfriend from the previous cases. During that 09 incident, according to the reports, as the yelling escalated, Thompson pulled out his <clears throat> male um, manhood in front of his girlfriend and two young children and said, I'm the man you can all S my D. Amazing. Wow. Not family friendly on this one. Thompson denied he ever exposed himself. The Ramsey County attorney declined to file charges. St. Paul police responded to another domestic assault involving a different woman in March 2010. The victim said she had been with Thompson for 11 years and they have two children together. During an argument, Thompson allegedly removed his manhood from his pants and told her to kiss the tip in front of relatives and children. Okay. <laughs> you know, I'm going to say there's, there's a couple ways to look at this. Now, I think innocent until proven guilty. If they're not charging the guy, if they're not going after him, then I'm not going to say he's definitively guilty of anything. I will say, however, when a bunch of women who are not the same woman keep having similar, have similar stories, maybe it's like, it's like you know, if, if, if you keep smelling crap, check your boot. That's kind of what it's like. Something's following this guy. They're going to say that she, uh, the girlfriend told the police, Thompson grabbed her on the neck with both hands and told her, I'll choke you until your voice box stops. According to the police reports, the Ramsey County attorney declined to charge the case due to several issues. Delayed 911 call, poor witness info, and the victim stated she was fired up and doesn't remember who attacked who first. Thompson's attorney, Jordan Krushner, told Fox 9 by email that Thompson does deny the allegations. The end results speak for themselves. Krushner appears to be referencing that, the, that only one case resulted in criminal charges. Thompson is currently on trial in Hennepin County for a disorderly conduct case that stemmed from a visit to North Memorial Hospital, where Thompson and others were also asked to leave. Kushner added, we are currently focused on that on the trial and do not have time to dissect these police reports from 10 to 18 years ago. Now, to be fair, the, the, the abuse cases and all that stuff, I'm not a fan. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of these being highlighted. So, OK, I, I can complain about, you know, the trending on the news. This is old, old stuff. It, it, it really is 10 to 18 years ago. We got to let people grow up and move on and not hold 18 year old stuff over their heads because people change. They really do. 
I don't know if this guy changed, but I can't say this. You know what should be news? This dude is a rep in Minnesota, and he, he renewed his Wisconsin driver's license in 2020. How is that legal? He should be removed from office. You represent an area where you don't live? Man, we got problems in this country. You know, I tell you this. Right now, the big news is, oh, Marjorie Taylor Greene's COVID tweets. Sure. That's, that, that's what matters. Right now, the GOP in, in uh, House GOP prepares to file ethics charges against Rep. John Thompson. Prepared to move forward. They say, House is Minneapolis. House Republicans say they're prepared to file ethics complaints in the wake of several domestic assault allegations against DFL Rep. John Thompson. If the House DFL doesn't take disciplinary action of its own, <laughs> I don't even, he doesn't live in there. He doesn't live in your state. Just ask him to leave and say, go back to the state you live in. How can we have this Kyle Rittenhouse story where they're like, he crossed state lines. And it's like, dude, Kyle Rittenhouse lived in Kenosha. Uh, I'm sorry. He lived in Antioch, which is like 20 minutes from Kenosha. It's like the same area. The state line is incidental. This guy doesn't live. <laughs> he didn't even live there. And he's representing there. That's much more egregious. All right. I go on to say top brass in the Minnesota DFL, which is basically the Democratic Party and the GOP party, the, the GOP party and it, GOP means grand old party. And its leaders are calling for it's like ATM machine, right? Are calling for Thompson's resignation after reports emerged of domestic assault allegations going back as far as 2003. And of course, Thompson denies these. So I can respect the Democrats. They're calling for his resignation for sure. I think this should be bigger news. On Monday, Governor Tim Waltz doubled down on that message, saying elected officials must be held to a higher standard. I agree. Quote, he said, I just want to be clear that the information that came out over the weekend involving multiple accusations, cases of domestic violence in the presence of children, just makes it so that I do not believe the rep can continue to serve us well. It is, it's my belief when you get to a point where you're no longer effective or you're hurting the cause, it probably makes sense to move on. You know what, man? I'm not okay with that. I disagree. I 100% will. I'm going to defend this guy. Look, I don't know what he did back then. He had criminal charges. That was a long, long time ago. I will criticize this guy because apparently he's one, he, he showed up to this residential neighborhood screaming at some white family. Okay, that's not okay. I'll criticize the guy for that. But this is cancel culture. We found out that 20 years ago you did something. You were accused of something. Shut up with that stuff, dude. You, want, you don't like this guy? Let's make a real political argument about what's wrong with the guy. He showed up to someone's house. He got elected. Apparently, after doing that, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm saying apparently, allegedly, because I want to be very careful here. But this video is going around where like this, they're saying this is the guy and he showed up to this house. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's got, a, he's, got a, he's got a Wisconsin ID. He's a resident of a different state. Make that your focal point. I, I just don't like the idea they're going to be like 20 years ago. We've all done stupid things a long time ago. We were all young. We all made mistakes. This guy, apparently, he may have made some very serious mistakes, but only one of the cases had criminal charges. And I don't even know if he was convicted. But this is what we get. At any rate, regardless of whether or not my opinion matters, because I'm sure many of you are saying, no, 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 we can't have this guy. He needs to be upfront about this stuff. We can't have a guy like this. Okay, if that's your case, if that's the case, this is the kind of thing that we should be seeing trend on Twitter, which we don't. We, 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 we don't. I'm sure, you know, maybe to a certain extent, people might see this in their like trending tabs, but people care more about Marjorie Taylor Greene, J.K. Rowling, and for some reason, the Klan right now. J.K. Rowling is, is trending. Why? Well, whatever. I guess you can, you know, I get it. J.K. Rowling is very, very famous. But we have this, that Marjorie Taylor Greene story. And I'm just like, aren't there more important issues to talk about? That's what Jim Hansen said. Brett, uh, Brent Share tweeted, no plea deal for a pair of elite NYC law lawyers who threw Molotov cocktails at NYPD cars during George Floyd riots. 
They are go- they're, they're going to trial. This is the story from the Washington Free Beacon. Ivy League lawyers head to trial for firebombing cop car. The left-wing attorneys are accused of distributing Molotov cocktails during the George Floyd riots. Two New York City Ivy League lawyers will stand trial in March 2022 for allegedly firebombing a police cruiser and distributing Molotov cocktails during the George Floyd riots last summer. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's video of them literally doing it, but perhaps they're going to rely on the I was wearing a mask. Can you prove it beyond a reasonable doubt? Okay. Yeah, it's a person wearing a mask. You know, am I going to take the word of the cops over this? Not really. But shouldn't this be something that we're actually talking about? Shouldn't we be concerned that there are doting fools who walked into the Capitol not realizing what was going on, who are facing prison time and felonies? Shouldn't we be concerned that a woman in Alaska who didn't even go in the building had the feds come and raid her house? But these people, oh, you know what, man? I know, I know. They very well may get convicted. Okay, let's, let's be honest. When you go up against the government, they take issue with you. That's a narco tyranny, right? We see all these riots. They burn down people's businesses. They, they murder David Dorn. And what happens? Sorry, nothing doing. But then when they throw firebombs at police stations, oh man, if you go up against the government, they'll, they'll, they'll stop you. So the problem is the government, if, if the government is to exist and the taxes are to be justified, it needs to actually provide a service to the people. I've long said that, look, I'm in favor of taxes. I'm in favor of a progressive tax. I'm in favor of, uh, um, you know, uh, social programs. But the, the idea there is that you are actually getting things for the money that's going into the system. Kind of like, you know, we're all paying into this thing. We should get something out of it. It's not really happening anymore. No, we're, we're in the anarcho tyranny phase of the collapse of our, of our society in where uh, we see these riots. The police can't protect us. The police can barely protect themselves. The police are being defunded, by the way. But law enforcement exists solely to serve the elite political class. Not if that's it, if we have a cabal of people and we are we're giving them money and that's that's not I'm sorry, that's not government anymore. That's organized crime and narco tyranny. It's like when the mobsters come to your business and say, hey, pay us for protection from who from us. It's like, oh, right. That's where we're at. They say the accused. This is important. Enjoy widespread support and sympathy from New York's legal and media elites. Rahman is represented by one of the city's best defense attorneys and a former Obama admin- administration official guaranteed her bail in the amount of $250,000. Both have been the subject of favorable profiles in New York Mag and NPR, among other venues. Do you see what is happening? That's what I said yesterday. I've been saying a lot. The bifurcation of this country, it's already done. People are like, the, the country will split or peaceful divorce. I- I'm sorry. As far as I can tell, that happened. These are people who had Molotovs. You can see the photos of them. They're alleged to have Molotovs uh, because innocent until proven guilty. I'll be fair. I want to be fair. And they get Obama admin officials defending them. This is the current state of, of America. We know it. Now, there are many Black Lives Matter and Antifa people who have been charged and have been convicted and are facing serious jail time. That's true. But hundreds of these people were cut loose. There was one instance where, where a guy was on video fighting with cops and they cut him loose. Like, oh, we don't have evidence. He was fighting with the cops. You can see it on video. I watched the video. But what about the people on January 6th? They're expanding the Capitol Police nationwide. So far, it's like California and then two East Coast offices, D.C. and I think Florida. So that they can start sending out, they're, they're acting, the Capitol Police are going to act as intelli- an intelligence agency 
to go after wrong thinkers. Joe Biden, Jen Psaki, they're spying on your text messages. They're spying on your Facebook posts. They're calling on big tech to ban you cross platform for if you post misinformation, they'll ban you from all the platforms. But you need to understand they post misinformation all the time for years. They did it years. They're allowed, though. This is the direction we're going in because they control the resources. This is I mean, it's, it's it, you call it a, it's a cold civil war, perhaps. But I think the only reason we would call it that is because it's fourth and fifth generational warfare. And again, I know many of you are probably familiar with that because I talk about it a lot. But this is a reference to information war, propaganda, manipulation. And that's the era we're in right now. I don't know if it goes hot. I mean, we've seen people killed. A decent amount of people killed in the street, in the street violence. But for the most part, the left and the Democratic establishment have been seizing the institutions for a long time. Now that they control them, they can wage economic and propagandistic war against their perceived enemies. They can take away your bank accounts. They can get you fired from your job. They can get you banned off social media so you can't communicate anymore. They can remove your ideas from the public space. And that's the power of social media. Of course, that's why so many on the left defended this because they knew it was empowering them and they knew that they were going to win. But I tell you this, the establishment elites will 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 cut off these activists in a moment's notice. They will ban you. They will shut you down. Once they get rid of their rivals on the right, they get rid of their rivals on the left because you think Joe Biden likes the leftists. He's a corporatist. He's pro oligarchy. He's not going to sit here and be like, yay, communism. Well, actually, he might be because it gives him a permanent position. But Joe's a little old doting uh, doting fool. But in terms of the establishment elites, yeah, they're not going to sit here and be like, sure, we'll we'll put ourselves at risk. No, they're going to keep empowering themselves. So here's where we're at. You see stories like this with this Democrat guy, and they, they say domestic abuse and all that stuff. And I'm like, that's cancel culture. You know, cancel culture to me is like when you go to someone's past and try and ban them for something they did a long time ago, but they do it to Marjorie Taylor Greene over and over and over again. And it's always breaking news. They sent, they, 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 the Republicans even went after her because of things she posted on social media before she was even elected. Now, here we are. Your ideas will be removed eventually over a long enough period of time from the mainstream public space. What the establishment players are trying to do, what the elites are trying to do, what the, the CEOs of these companies are trying to do is slowly erode away any classical liberalism, any right wing perspective, any conservatism, any anti woke. But they can't do it all at once. They know that if they did, they would immediately create a massive surge into another platform or a potentially hot conflict. They do it slowly. Slowly over time, they ban one or two people. And then eventually the conversation starts to get reshapen by slowly getting rid of conservative elements. They slowly remove those arguments and people normalize. They adapt. I mean, think about the idea that they're calling me far right reactionary or conservative when I'm literally like, I believe we should have universal health care. So here's the way I describe it. Basic universal health care, which means you break your arm, you get the flu, you go to the doctor, they patch up, send you on your way. Then for more uh, acute illnesses we would, uh, 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 and chronic, we would need private supplemental insurance. But things like, you know, insulin, you'd be able to just go to the doctor and like be able to get those things. I'm in favor of that. That is not conservative. That is actually quite revolutionary. But they're calling that right wing because the conversation is being reshaped. 
I'm in favor of social programs. People say, Tim, you're not in favor of social programs. You're in favor of charity. No, I'm not. I worked for a bunch of charities. That's why I'm not in favor of them. I'm not going to get into that whole argument again. No, but I'm in favor of social programs. I just think the government is corrupt. Now, how you implement a non-corrupt government, don't ask me. I'm not even sure that's possible. I am much more libertarian. So ultimately, I do think that we need some kind of communal cooperation. But I don't certainly don't support the current iteration of it. They call that right wing. You know, it's funny. I took the political compass test recently and it said uh, I'm, I'm, I'm left libertarian, like decently left libertarian. And, and I've had people comment like Tim refuses to accept he's conservative. He keeps trying to double down on being left. No, I'm just not lying. I'm, I'm literally left libertarian is like I'd like to live on a little hippie commune. You know what I mean? That's what it means. The problem is the current iteration of what the left is authoritarian. I don't like that. I like people sitting down like, like you know, hippies sharing their, 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 the fruits of their labor together, but it doesn't scale up. So ultimately where I find myself is for the personal, for what I want, for my house, for my family, for my community is a more left libertarian, cooperative, free spirited, you know, free loving place. But that would have to exist in an overarching right libertarian space because there's no such thing as up that you can't upscale left libertarianism. It's I just it's it's not possible without, I guess, religion. No joke without religion. If everybody agrees with that religion, then you're going to have easy cooperation. That's what the woke want. But they have to forcefully indoctrinate people to make it happen. So I'll leave it there, man. I'm not going to I'm not going to drag this one on much longer. The point is this country is is, is absolutely bifurcated. And it's about time people, you know, started realizing they're not talking to you anymore. They're just trying to subjugate. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. There have been several attempts over the past few years to make it mandatory for women to register for the military draft. And each time it happens, we see the feminists come out and say, no, wait, don't. My favorite tweets are the ones where they're like, this this is not what we meant by equality. Well, Once again, it is their own doing. It is not, for the most part, Republicans who want women to register for the draft. In fact, most traditional conservatives say women should not be in combat roles. But here we go. Senate Democrats propose requiring women to register for military draft. I can already hear the incoming collective screams from feminists, many of whom voted in these Democrats now saying, no, wait, don't. Because once again, like clockwork, we hear the exact same thing. We want rights and access, but we don't want responsibility. Okay, that's messed up. I'm not, I'm not okay with that. You know, in doing research on this, I pulled up a couple of articles from feminists, one from a, a, a university newspaper, where they're like, here's why it's not feminist to support the draft for women. What about guys? Now, the question of the military draft is actually rather interesting. There's the idea of service guaranteeing citizenship. But that's that doesn't necessarily mean military service. John Stewart came out and said we need some kind of draft like people have to do some kind of community service, not necessarily military service to get them involved in the community. And he's right. I agree. If there's no ties to the community, the community falls apart. But I don't like the idea of a military draft. But actually, I'm okay with it. I am. Here's what I mean. I don't like what's going on in the Middle East. I don't like the United States in intervening in all these other countries and regime change war. And, oh, we're, we're, we're upset that we're not getting the trade deal we want. So we send in the economic hitman, as it were. 
I don't mind the idea of me as an American citizen being called upon to serve in the event that America is under attack. See, there's a difference. If we got word that aliens, I'll just say, I don't want to call on any specific countries in this one, but we get attacked by aliens. And they said, we need every capable, able-bodied individual to defend our homes. I'd be like, let me know what you need me to do. But that's not what we have, is it? No. See, the Second Amendment was about the militia, the fr- the f- a free state, the security of the free state. And what the militia was supposed to do was when you were threatened locally f- by foreign uh, countries or, or, I don't know, groups, or even domestically, the militia would be called upon to defend that, uh, to defend our country. We don't have that anymore. The draft became a symbol of Vietnam, I guess. You know, I, World War II, I kind of get, but still. I don't like the idea that I'm going to be forced to go off to fight some overseas war or anybody would have to do that. So the, the, the real issue with the draft, in my opinion, is the failures of the state, the authoritarianism of the state. I think most people for their homes would take up arms to defend it. But it's a challenge. I'm not saying I think that, that we should absolutely have the draft. I'm saying in that context, I'm actually I, I lean more positively towards it. But I do think it would require a debate. Well, I pulled up an article you know, doing this research from 1903. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's digitized from the Atlantic talking about it's from women who do not want the right to vote. And in it, they basically make this argument. We don't want the responsibilities of, of the fire brigade or of the police or of the military. Let the men go out and deal with the violence and the emergence and the chaos. And that means Without the responsibilities of serving the community, you don't get a say in that community, which is interesting because it sounds like we used to have this idea of service guaranteeing citizenship. If you're not familiar with this, it's from Starship Troopers. It basically means that if you do something for your community, you earn the right to vote. If you don't, you have full rights as a citizen, except you don't get to vote. So you get free speech and all that good stuff. Well, let's read the news and then we'll go through what the feminist argument is for why women shouldn't be in the draft. And I want to point out how they mocked Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson said, you know, he, he, he derided female pregnancy flight suits. If you are going to defend that notion that you can have pregnant women in, in flight suits, shouldn't you be in favor of women being drafted as well? Well, here's the report from Politico. They say, Senate Democrats are proposing a sweeping rewrite of the military draft laws aimed at requiring women to register for the selective service system, according to a draft authored by Senate Armed Service Chair Jack Reed and obtained by Politico. The changes to selective service could be attached to the National Defense Authorization Act, a defense policy bill. That's one of the few pieces of legislation considered a must pass by Congress. The move would reignite a contentious debate over whether women would be required to register for the draft, a move the House and Senate have each considered in recent years, though the change has never become law. The language proposed by Reed, a Democrat from Rhode Island, would expand registration for the service to all Americans, striking explicit references to males. It's expected to be considered during committee markup this week. Floor action on the bill would wait until later this year. A spokesperson for Reed declined to comment. I'm going to go ahead and say, I think it'll pass. So previously, the Supreme Court, I could, I could be wrong about this. My understanding is the Supreme Court was going to rule on this, whether it was unconstitutional. And they said, this is a matter for legislation, not for the courts. Now it's moving through legislation. You better damn well believe the Democrats are going to want as much cannon fodder as possible. So that means all y'all young ladies, thanks for voting Democrat. 
we're sending you to war. Currently, law states that U.S. men must register for the service when they turn 18 for potential military conscription. Though no one has been drafted into the military in more than four decades, men who fail to register for the draft can be fined, imprisoned, or denied federal jobs. Calls to expand the draft to include women have grown in recent years, particularly after the Pentagon opened all combat roles to women in 2015. A congressionally mandated commission that reviewed the draft also backed the change last year. Multiple lawsuits have taken aim at the current draft law, alleging it's unconstitutional. The Supreme Court in June declined to hear a case brought by the National Coalition for Men challenging the male-only draft. Whether to include women in the draft became the subject of a marquee defense battle on Capitol Hill in 2016. The Senate voted to make the change as part of its annual defense policy bill with the backing of then-Senate Armed Service Chair John McCain, despite opposition mostly raised by conservative Republicans. So ladies, if you don't want to be in the draft, vote Republican. Yeah, that'll never happen. Making women eligible for the draft won bipartisan support from the Armed Services Committee at the time. Half the panel's GOP members sided with Democrats against a conservative effort to strip the language, including five who still serve in the Senate. Deb Fisher of Nebraska, Joni Ernst of Iowa, Tom Tillis of North Carolina, Dan Sullivan of Alaska, and Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. The House Armed Service Committee adopted a similar provision, which was later stripped from the bill. Rather than go forward with the major change, lawmakers compromised by creating an independent commission to study the draft as part of a broader review of how to boost military and public service. In the meantime, the panel's years-long study effectively kept further congressional action on women in the draft at bay. The 11-member panel's final report issued in March 2020 backed requiring women to register for the draft, among other recommendations. This is a necessary and fair step making it possible to draw on the talent of a unified nation in a time of national emergency, the panel wrote in its report. Reid, who has backed making women eligible for the military draft, said during a March hearing on the panel's findings that he hoped the changes would in large part be included in the upcoming defense bill. The draft language is just one of several contentious issues expected to be considered by the Senate Armed Services Committee. In addition, Senators are expected to debate a bid by Senator Kirsten Gillibrand to reform the treatment of military assault and extremism in the military. Okay, maybe it won't pass because they've tried it before. I think it should. Now, principally, I'm not entirely convinced. There is a good argument for why men should be in military and women should not. I also think there's many support roles women could be fulfilling in the armed forces, in which case there's no reason for them not to be. If you want to talk about combat infantry or something like that, then okay, maybe we'll have an argument. If you want to talk about someone filing paperwork to help administer health care in the armed forces, I'm like, anybody can do that. Now, there are a lot of women who can probably do combat just, uh, just as well. You know, it's just an issue of merit. Do you have the ability to lift the weights and run the, 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 the you know, the, the, the distance? If you can, then by all means, I got no problem. I don't think we should discriminate against anybody on the basis of their gender or origin or religion or anything like that, so long as you can do the job. Now, I do want to point this out. Senior leaders dunk on Tucker Carlson's misogynistic comments about maternity flight suits. I, I hope that each and every person who ragged on Tucker Carlson is coming out in favor of women being in the draft. Because if we are going to have maternity flight suits, then there is no reason women should not be signing up for the selective service. Send this one to all your feminist friends. Let them know. It's time for the draft, ladies. Y'all voted for the Democrats. This is what the Democrats want. And you know what? It's fair. Well, let's go back in time a little bit. 
This is an article from JMU, which is, I think it's James Morrison University. It's a Virginia, Harrisburg. The Breeze. Is there a college? This is a college woman writing, including women in the draft isn't feminist. Oh, it's not. You should just get equal access to all of the rewards and the bounties of hard work and responsibility without having to contribute to it at all. I see men should have to join the draft and go fight and die so that you could enjoy the luxury of being a CEO in your cushy corner office with a nice view. Okay, okay, okay. Maybe a little harsh. Let's read the argument and then poke through it. This is from uh, the, the Breeze writing, Federal Judge Gray Miller of the Southern District of Texas proclaimed that an all-male military draft is unconstitutional on February 24th, 2019. The decision nullified the court ruling that justified a male-only draft in the 1981 case of Rostker v. Goldberg. The reasoning for this 1981 case was that women were considered ineligible for combat roles. Judge Miller further stated, the average woman could conceivably be better suited physically for some of today's combat positions than the average man, depending on which skills the position required. Combat roles no longer uniformly require sheer size or muscle. While this may be true, women being mandated to register for the draft might be contradictory to feminist goals. <laughs> you think? The reasoning behind why including women in the draft registration isn't actually feminist is because feminists don't dispute that women are capable of the, of the job. Oh, we know women are capable, so they shouldn't be forced to do it. While many people associate femini femininity with peace, compromise, and support, feminists know women are capable of doing and being anything they want. This includes being combative, argumentative, and indifferent, traits typically associated with men. It would thus follow that women are just as capable of being drafted in, into the military as men. Okay, yeah, I'm following you. There are many arguments as to why women should be included in the draft, but a lot of them are faulty and realistically antithetical to feminism. One could argue that including women in the draft would help the public learn to think of women as being powerful and capable, not fragile princesses that require men to save them. On its face, this argument seems pretty convincing and logical. That being said, when you examine the argument at its core, it implies that these people equate being powerful and capable with being able to hold a gun and follow orders. Many systems of oppression, the same systems that prevent equality among genders, thrive when people are violent and follow orders without question. This argument also perpetuates the idea that men are naturally violent and aggressive. In reality, there's a wide spectrum of masculinity, some of which promotes ideals of nonviolence. Hey, hey, I agree with that last part. However, as for the holding a gun and being violent, Listen, are you going to come out and now say it's not about feminism? It is entirely about the draft being wrong. I know libertarians say it's wrong. And I'm, I, I would say right now, I almost entirely agree. But I'll put it this way. Scale is everything. If you live in a house of five people and uh, somebody is trying, you, know, you, you, have, you, have, you have a fence and you see someone at that fence and they're knocking it down and they have an axe and they're bashing it. Are you going to help protect your home in some way? Are you going to either take up arms or start securing the building? You see, that's you small scale being drafted. You have no choice. Someone is coming after you. They're attacking you. Now scale it up a little bit more. Your neighbors, a group of Antifa rioters are smashing through your neighborhood and the neighbors say, it's time to come out and we are going to stand guard at the street corner. You're coming with us. We will not let them come in. We need your help. Well, I'd imagine most of you are going to say, yes. I mean, I would. If I got word that a bunch of lunatic Antifa BLM people were coming to ransack my neighborhood and they said, we need your help. Will you come out? I would say, absolutely. 
scale it up one more time. You see, the issue is scale. Once you get to the level of the federal government and it's a faceless beast saying, go fight a war in Afghanistan for some reason, then we're like, why? When it's Vietnam, we're like, why? Even World War II, knowing that I'm like, you know, I've had a lot of conversations about drafting with World War I and II, and I'm like, eh, it's tough. World War I, you make interesting points. You know, Michael Malice brought up the point of like, it was an elitist war in Europe. What, were, what, was our, what was the point of us being there? And perhaps it was destabilization of, of international trade and norms, you know, whatever. Maybe there's no good argument, to be completely honest. It's intervention, right? World War II, you have a lot of people who are anti-intervention. And even with then, I certainly think it's a good thing the U.S. got involved and shut down these awful, awful people, fascists and Nazis. I also think that moving on from there with the Cold War, things get much more murky. And then all of a sudden they're like, hey, you're going to Vietnam and you're, you're 18 years old. And then you get a problem. No longer are we defending our homes, our neighborhoods, our country. We're now fighting for the Vietnamese. You know, with Europe, it's, it's also questionable in a lot of ways. I guess the issue is the atrocities of World War II Germany and their expansion and what would have happened should we have done nothing, especially with Japan. And to be completely honest, we got attacked. Japan attacked us. We, we, we entered the war. We said we have to end this. And that's, that's relatively different. You look at Vietnam and you look at Afghanistan, you look at Iraq. No, 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 no. You know, if we started drafting people for that stuff, no way. Let's read more. Another flawed argument is that the military encourages a work environment that's less sexualized in other areas of work. I, this is, I'm not even going to read. That's stupid. Equity, equity among genders would constitute the same opportunities be presented impartially. On its face, this would mean that being drafted into the military should include men, women, and people of any gender. You already said men and women. However, feminists would argue that having opportunities to do the same thing as cis men isn't enough. Feminists stress that it's important to examine the damaging patriarchal values ascribed to the institutions that have denied female participation. Essentially, it's not enough to provide equal opportunities and those same opportunities are rooted in. If those same opportunities are rooted in and for the support, the patriarchy. Oh, this is absolutely amazing. This subject is tricky to address as the military has always been a huge source of pride for most Americans. To address the draft's inclusion or exclusion of people that aren't cisgendered men requires deep consideration. And you know what? It's simple. They want, but they refuse to give. And that's it. Ladies and gentlemen. I bring you to the 1903 issue of the Atlantic magazine, Why Women Do Not Wish the Suffrage. Quote, woman does not wish to turn aside from her higher work, which is itself the end of life, to devote herself to government, which exists only that this higher work may be done. Can she not do both? No. Amazing. Let me uh, just jump right down to this. Where this woman writes, for like reason, society exempts women from police functions. She is not called to be a sheriff or constable or night watchman. She bears no truncheon and wears no revolver. She answers not to the summons when peace officers call for posse comitatus. She is not received into the National Guard when bloody riots fill the city with peril and alarms. Why not? Is she not the equal of man? Is she not as loyal, as law abiding, as patriotic, as brave? Surely all of these is she. But it is not her function to protect the state when foreign foes attack it. It is the function of the state to protect her. It is not her function to protect the persons and property of the community against riot. It is man's function to protect her. Here, at least, the functional difference between the sexes is too plain to be denied, doubted, or ignored. Here, at least, no man or woman, or woman 
from the claims of equality or character jumps to the illogical conclusion that there is an identity of function. This much then seems clear to me, and I hope it is clear to the reader also. First, that the family is the basis of society from which it grows. Second, that the basis of the family and therefore society is the difference between the sexes, a difference which is inherent, temperamental, functional. Third, that the military function, all its forms and phases, belongs to man, that he has no right to thrust it upon woman or to ask her to share it with him. That is his duty and his exclusively to do that battling with the elements which rests livelihood from a reluctant or resisting nature and which is therefore the prerequisite to all productive industry and that battling with the enemies of society which compels them to respect its rights and which is therefore the primary condition of government. Slow down there a second. Where are we today? They don't like the family. Black Lives Matter wants to disrupt the family. They say that there are no differences between the sexes. And third, military function can't be thrust upon women. I mean, this lady makes a lot of really great points. I'm, um, this is not shocking in favor of women having the right to vote. I just think we need some kind of service guaranteeing citizenship. You know, I've seen these videos where people do the man on the street. Jimmy Kimmel goes out there and he's like, how many states are there? And they're like, 37. You know, what's the name of the vice president? And then some woman will be like, John Smith. And you're like, these people are really dumb and their vote counts the same as yours. So why make people who don't care vote when they don't know what they're doing? Voting can be dangerous. So I look at these arguments and I'm like, she makes a great point. Back then she was saying, Men should not be making women do these things. She's basically playing it up like women were living in luxury, essentially, not having the responsibilities of statecraft. I completely disagree with that in and of itself. The core being, though, that if a woman has her own responsibilities and not the responsibilities of the state, then she shouldn't be involved in it. I actually think women should be involved in statecraft. And I think that's one of the problems that people aren't. People need to be involved in politics and know what's going on if they're going to be voting, which means when I say service guarantees citizenship, and I'm talking about that Starship Trooper um, trope, what I mean to say is people who are not involved in communal affairs should not be engaging in voting because they don't know what they're voting for, and they could very well be burning things to the ground. Now, I just think it's fascinating to go back to this argument to see that during suffrage, these women were saying, I don't want to be a firefighter. I don't want to be a cop. Okay, so let them vote on how they want to run that stuff. Interesting. Where are we now? Women still don't make up a large portion of combat. I think combat deaths are 98% male. Yet what we've seen over and over again is that women have gained more access, which I think is a good thing, but they've not held up their end of responsibility, which is unfortunate. And I'm not saying it's because they're, you know, women are inherently better. Like, not at all. I'm saying I don't expect women to engage in combat. So then what do we have? Well, I actually was critical of Tucker Carlson on the maternity flight suit thing. As I said, I think pregnant women could absolutely be helping in the military. I don't expect them to go fight in combat or fly planes, but they can be doing administrative things. I don't want them lifting heavy stuff either, but there's jobs to be done. So we can respect that service guarantee citizenship. Women should be in the draft, period. Because women can do other things. We're not going to use them as cannon fodder. Okay, I'm sorry. The Democrats and the Republicans probably don't. The Uniparty probably doesn't care what you are so long as you can, you know, go out and you'll effectively be cannon fodder. Sure. The point is, there is no argument right now for which women should not be in the draft. Sorry. This argument going back in time 
was anti-suffrage. They said women shouldn't have to fight fight uh, fires or riots. Therefore, they, they don't they don't get to vote. We accept that. OK, well, take that argument to where we're at today. And women are saying they want all of these things and they shouldn't be drafted. Why? You want to be equal, right? You want equity. This is the game you've played. You will get what you ask for. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out and I will see you all then.